0: Welcome to this week's Crowd Church service. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith, and a place where you can contribute and grow. I want to invite you to connect with us here at Crowd Church, and there are a few ways that you can do just that. Firstly, You can engage with crowd from any device, and if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You see, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others, and one of the easiest ways for you to do that is to also join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our podcast called What's the Story? Where we deep dive into stories of faith and courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things that I've mentioned can be found on our website at www.crowd.church or you can reach us uh, on social media at crowdchurch you're new to Crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website, crowd.church slash next for more details. And now, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. So, welcome to Crowd Online Church. We are in the non-live live live stream on Bonfire Night. Yes, we are. Uh, If you're watching this, hope you're having a safe Bonfire Night. If you're outside of the UK wondering what Bonfire Night is, probably best to Google it because (laughs) it's a funny old thing. Now, if you don't know me, my name is Matt. I lead Crowd Online Church. And beside me, this good-looking fellow is uh, Tony Udin who's one of my best mates from London, who also pastors a church called Tower Hamlets Community Church down there. And we thought it'd be fun uh, in this week's service just to chat about some things that we see in the church. Just having a, just, we've no idea where the conversation's going to go, but it's just interesting when two blokes get together, have known each other for a little time, and see where the conversation goes. So, Tony, welcome to Crowdman, great to have you. Hey, it's great to be here again. It's been a while, right? Yeah, since it has. Well, the you know, the, all the complaints last time we thought. <laughs> <laughs> you got in trouble with us coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we thought we should probably take it easy for a little bit. Uh, so it's good to have you back on, man. Uh, it's been too long. Uh definitely been too long. Now, um, you and I have been, just to give some context, you and I have been friends since university days, uh, which was... 1991 was that when we went to uni was it night 92 92. <laughs> 92 it was 92 uh, and along 31 years ago
1: well i'm older than i look but i don't know about you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i just look older than i am uh, yeah, which yeah. Is probably... i was about to
1: go there but you know <laughs> as church, we've got to be kind right
0: <laughs> apparently christians can't laugh you know apparently that's one of the things i've been told um i was talking to someone the other day uh on whatsapp a, a young lady's got in touch with us over the whatsapp had a few questions uh, and just having a lovely chat with her and she said to me she said matt you really should do the radio thing because your voice is quite mesmerizing And I said, well, funny you should say that. I've got a mate who always tells me I've got a great face for radio.
1: You know, even as you were saying that, I was kind of like, well, this is. Well, you know, things need to be independently verified. That's
0: really happening, right? Yeah, apparently. Apparently so. Apparently so. So uh, it's fair to say, uh, Tony, that you and I have been friends for a very long time uh, and we do like to banter. It was, I, I do remember a few years ago when, when you used to be in quite a lot of church leader type meetings and I'd find out about it. And I'd text you probably quite inappropriate things to see if I can get you to smile and laugh in the meetings. The funny thing is the word quiet, but we'll leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely so if you are just tuning in to crowd church we are doing a non-live live live stream this is where we don't have live hosts but we are putting a live stream out the reason we're not having live hosts this week is because it's bonfire night um and we're just everyone's just having in some respects who works in crowds just having a bit of an evening off with the family which is great so i'm recording this non on live live stream with my good friend, Tony. Uh, and so, Tony, let's talk about friendship, man, because you and I have been friends for a long time. You've just done a teaching series at your church uh, on friendship, you just said. So I thought that'd be a good place to start.
1: Yeah, we, we realise that I think increasingly in our culture and our day and age, there's a real need to encourage people to build stronger and deeper friendships and i think there's a lot in our culture and society that actually works against friendship yeah and um you know i had this you know you sometimes you have these light bulb uh moments don't you You are having a conversation with someone and it something they say really makes sense and i was talking to somebody who uh runs a student ministry And they said, so it's typically with uh, university students. And they said, you know, years ago, we started talking to people a lot about friendship evangelism. And that's just uh, in the context of everyday friendships, uh, sharing the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so that's friendship evangelism. And and they said that, you know, we always used to teach people that and people would work hard on how do you present your faith in a relevant way in Mm. relationships. And then they said, but increasingly,
0: we realized
1: that was one step down the road because people didn't 18, 19 year olds coming in struggled to understand what friendship is. And they said that they realized before they talked about friendship evangelism they needed to talk some more about what friendship is. And that kind of got me going on a journey. And then as we talked as a staff team about what the needs are in our church, and I think particularly because we've seen an awful lot of growth in the last uh, 18 months and lots of new people and, and just the need to go deeper and build friendships so we I think we had four or five talks just looking at you know what does it mean to build friendships what does it mean to be a friend what are some of the examples of friendship we see yeah. and what, what are some of the challenges um and i think it was really really rewarding there's a, there's yeah. a great book out now by a guy called phil knox who's just written uh, a book on friendship as well okay and name escapes me at this moment, but that's because I'm heading to that kind of age. (laughs) But if you Google Phil Knox and friendship, I think he works for the evangelical alliance. And it's a brilliant book around friendship. And what does it mean to to build friendships? And, you know, the more I looked at scripture and the more I looked at the gospels, I saw that Jesus didn't recruit a team of workers, but he built a team of friends. Mm. And, I think our mm. churches would be a lot more healthy, uh, uh, our lives a lot more holistic if we worked rather than just on getting stuff done, but on building friendships. Yeah. Um, and as you say, you know, you, you know, you and I have been friends for something like thirty-one years now, and I think just having friendships that have longevity to them yeah. is so important it's so important friendships aren't really disposable um and we all need friends you know there's some frightening statistics you know one in three men say they have no close friends
0: no way one in three men and and to be fair i I know there's a guy i see every week Uh, is a an older chap in his 70s um He's in his mid seventies. He's never really had any friends. Yeah. Well. His whole life, he's a very lonely man, and he's never really had any friends his whole life. And you, he doesn't actually know how to be a friend. Do you know what I mean? And, and he doesn't know how to receive friendship because it's never happened. Um, he got sort of ridiculed and teased when he was a kid, and so he never sort of developed that friendship. You know, he sort of mm. went inward to protect himself a little bit. But that's a shocking stat, man. One in three.
1: Yeah, and there's another one that I read that said said something like 40% of young adults say they often or always feel lonely. Wow. And then, you know, part of the research for this series got me looking at uh, friendship and loneliness and this kind of term of a, a loneliness epidemic. And actually, there's a, there's a government loneliness star. Who knew it? I mean, yeah. probably because he's working on his own or something. <laughs> but there is a government loneliness star, and they realize this is having a huge societal impact. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and, and the need to be with someone, to, to be with others, to connect, to share heart, it's an intrinsic part of being human. Um, you know, I, I think COVID almost taught us that yeah. isolation is a good thing. Um, I'm seeing more and more a generation of young people, particularly sort of 16, 17, 18, that have kind of almost been uh, mentored into social contact being, being a, a threat. Yeah. Uh, and then you combine that with the anonymity of online life, of digital stuff. And it's quite a toxic cocktail. And I yeah. think uh, as, as a culture, we're going to increasingly see what happens when people become isolated. I think, you know, even in terms of societal uh, danger and stuff, the, the radicalization of often young, vulnerable men yeah. at home who feel isolated, feel that their their lives don't matter, um And you can see that. And again, just another frightening thing. I I read something even this week about how AI is being used for some pretty bad purposes. And it talked about um, uh, somebody who, there was a case recently, somebody committed suicide after basically an AI chatbot goaded them into it. Uh, Yeah. Now, obviously, someone's had to design that thing. But it's, I think it's symptomatic, isn't it? And, and I look yeah, at yes. Jesus now. I'm a pastor. Of course I'm going to look at Jesus. <laughs> well, you, you should look, do. Yeah, yeah. You look just bef- before he's arrested. The last thing he wants to do uh, is he goes to the upper room with his disciples and he shares a meal with them.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it. I think there's something in that. Sometimes we can... I think all all a lot of wrong ideas about Jesus come from either underestimating his humanity or his divinity, and it's yeah. one of the paradoxes that Jesus is fully God and fully and man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the idea of Jesus in his humanity—like, imagine if you or I knew that tomorrow we would be arrested and brutally executed. What What would we want to do? How How would you want to spend that time? Mm. And I guess. Right now at church, we've got a number of people really quite serious illnesses, mm. and one of the interesting things about talking to them is that it says it's really focused how they spend time. Yeah. Because when your time might be limited, suddenly there's a new priority, and I believe Jesus' priority is simply to be with his friends and together to pray and be with God the Father. Yeah. And and I think. If, if Jesus, and I believe he was, is the best example of what it is to be truly and fully human, then we need to understand that if we don't even have that desire to be with others uh, often and regularly and share heart with them, then there's something wrong. Yeah. No, I'm with uh, you. And so Jesus just takes this time with his disciples and he shares his heart. There's this incredible sense where you know you see jesus just pouring out his heart Mm. he's talking to them about the future he's talking to them about the father he's talking to them about their need to love one another Mm. And he says i I, you know i don't call you servants i call you friends yeah um so yeah I, i think it's i think it's modeled in jesus but i think we have to really look at what are um some of the things that that hold us back from developing strong
0: friendships so what would you it's an, it's a fascinating point here but because I, I I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of um having one of the things that I, I I've said to a lot I've I've worked with a lot of wealthy people over the years a lot of very wealthy people and one of the things I always kept coming back to was they all felt, not all of them, most of them felt quite lonely people. The wealth mm-hmm. had isolated them in a lot of ways. And as a nation, we are, whether you would agree or not, I suppose, depending on your personal circumstances, we're quite a wealthy nation in the UK, yeah, right? Sure. Um, even those that would appear below the poverty line are still, relatively speaking, quite a wealthy people set. Um, Especially when you compare it with the rest of the world, right? And it seems the wealthier we become, uh, the more isolated we become as nations. And so you take the States, again, you've got a very wealthy nation, become quite isolated, become quite lonely. You take, probably the, the big one for me would be Japan. You know, you've got Japanese men in that nation who will only talk to robots or to AI. They don't actually know what, you know, personal human interaction is all about. And so it's. I, th- I can see that we are becoming more isolated. I then couple that with, you know, the stats you said about one in three men and how um, young men are the most likely people group mm-hmm. to commit suicide. Um, so you have things like Campaign Against Living Miserably or Calm, you know, which are all geared towards pro- uh, male suicide prevention. And so loneliness has become an epidemic <clears throat> And we see Jesus modeling friendship, uh, and even Jesus and his need for friendship. Um, so we, I think people will sit here and they'll listen to it and go, "Okay, well, how do I how do I develop friends?" Then I guess that's probably how, practically what do you think we can do about it?
1: Well, again, I think part of the problem is most of us don't see good friendships lived out, and particularly as yeah. men, we we often see kind of this idea that. Uh, somebody as an island or the the kind of strong silent type who keeps himself to himself or the owner Um, so I think we need to see it modeled more yeah I think as as men we need to be purposeful about including others we need to be purposeful about making our need for relationship known because yeah here's the thing like friendships And human relationships are essentially reciprocal. And so what typically happens is we meet someone and the level of intimacy is basically determined by someone's willingness to open up. Mm -hmm. So what happens is two people meet, they start a friendship, and it might be over something basic like football or whatever, but they start a friendship off and there's – something that clicks but then without the willingness of one of them to go deeper nothing changes very true so so i think it's a intentional decision to open myself up and to be vulnerable knowing that it's in my vulnerability that that can be reciprocated yeah um and it's choosing to let somebody else in
0: yeah and
1: i think that's that's a big thing it 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 means being the initiator
0: yeah and
1: you know when you start doing that it's incredible how much other people uh actually are looking for this stuff they want to respond um and just how how much that improves our well-being Mm. i mean even even it's like you know part of my world is often working with people with addictions and you know even the idea of a 12-step group And the idea that somebody goes to a group Mm. and simply hearing someone else be vulnerable, even if they don't take part much themselves, helps someone to maintain their sobriety. Because humans are made for intimacy. When we don't have intimacy, that's when addictive and compulsive behavior really finds a way out of us. And so even this idea of just... Our need for intimacy and seeing somebody else open up and the mm. well-being that has on us yeah. is incredible. Um, Super powerful. So, so I think that, that that thing about you know how do we how do we initiate intimacy? How do we be the people that open ourselves up first? Um, and I think also it's a part of that is is realizing that one of the things that holds people back from that is most of us just don't feel adequate. Okay. If if you go beneath the veneer, um, we feel inadequate and we feel like we're going to get exposed as a fraud. Yeah. And you go right back to Adam and Eve, right? You know, I was ashamed because I was naked Mm -hmm. and so I hid. So, in other words, our fractured relationships with our fractured relationship with God fractures our relationships with each other. Yeah. And we're hiding stuff. Yeah. Um, and because of that, there's often an insecurity that if people really knew me, they wouldn't like what they see. And I think there's a profound sense in which most people suffer from that you know in, yeah. in, in professional terms we you know we'd um, we talk about imposter syndrome or whatever mm. you know but i think actually in human relationships a lot of people feel that
0: way yeah yeah no i i i, I totally get it I, so much there but so this idea of modeling friendship i think is incumbent on us as leaders and i think it's incumbent upon anybody that actually has good friendship you know we Sharon and I, um, I I remember, I mean, my parents got divorced when I was nine. So I never really saw a happy marriage. My parents got on okay while we were growing up, but never really saw a happy marriage. And then I lived with Nick and Jen. I used to hang out with Dave and Julie, the founders of the church uh, here in Liverpool. And I saw modeled to me what a happy marriage could be like. And I thought, oh, man, you can actually have a happy marriage, right? Mm. But, Um, and so here i am married 25 years later now um and it's still happy by the way everyone pleased to know it's still happy um but it's it was this whole idea of modeling like living doing life with nick and jen and dave and julie it wasn't what so much what they said it was so much what they did and what i saw modeled um and so we take that we've 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 done that in our house. We have a fairly sizable house. So we've got three lodgers living with us at the moment. Three people, if you don't know what a lodger is, basically just can be part of the family. Um, You you take one of the rooms in the house and you just become part of the family. We have three of them at the moment, all from very different walks of life. Um, Because I'm really keen that we model family and that we model model marriage. It's an interesting idea then to extend that to friendship. How do you model friendship? So um, we... uh, I'm a you know I'm a bit of a Liverpool fan as you are Tone as well we do like and it's amazing actually with men how much football is the initiator of many conversations um and so all that what I do every time Liverpool are playing the game is I part of my I don't know if I'd call it ministry but part of my intentionality is right I'm going to subscribe to Sky Sports I'm going to get the football on and I'm just going to have a WhatsApp group and I'm going to say guys come round. I'm going to throw some food on the barbecue, we're going to eat, we're going to hang, and we're going to chat, and sometimes the chat's meaningless nonsense about football. Quite often stuff will come up that you know, we can yeah. um, just talk through and, and pray about. Um, but it's that sort of intentionality, isn't it? That, that whole doing, doing it on purpose and then opening it up to other people. You know, We're always inviting people to the football thing. But here's a question for you on the whole vulnerability thing. Right. Um, because I, this has come up time and time again when I've talked to people about friendship, you know, and and going deeper and being vulnerable with folks. They'll they'll say, yes, I did that with somebody, but they did dot, dot, dot. Right. They yeah. there's some kind of betrayal or there's some kind of yeah. letdown, often because the other person doesn't know how to deal with your issue or your level of vulnerability. And so because that experience was bad, people then shrink back. Right. Mm.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I think that's real. But I think, you know, the openness, intimacy, vulnerability opens us up to pain. But a world without openness, intimacy and vulnerability brings all, a, an even bigger, more permanent sense of pain. Yeah. And I think it's it's being able to see that in taking a risk. The risk is worth it, and you know I've just loved you know some of the proverbs that talk about friendship, and one of those says in Proverbs twelve, the righteous choose their friends carefully. Yeah, and you know, I, so I'm all for you know you know an appropriateness with that, but I think as well that part of that is if I'm going to be secure in myself, then I'm prepared to to take a risk on what if someone betrays me and again you know in this series on friendship I was really struck if you look at Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane so just let's just rewind so Jesus has this meal shares his heart even talks about the fact that he's going to be betrayed they go they go to the the garden uh, they go uh, Jesus goes to pray and as they're praying Jesus says look I need you to be with me and pray and the guys around him fall asleep And he goes (laughs) back and he says, look, guys, I just, I'm in need of you at the moment. mm. You know, just watch and be ready. And they fall asleep. And basically it happens three times. Like, Mm. here are these guys. And each time, Jesus, like, imagine what that's like. You know, you've poured yourself into these guys. You know you're about to give your life for them. You've invited them into that real special place of intimacy as you go to pray and be with God the Father. Mm they let you down and then you let them back in and that and i just see in in that a a willingness to to take a risk and to realize that um you know part of the joys of human relationship require us to open ourselves to the prospect of pain but then pain is part of being human yeah right and and, and i guess in in a bigger sense i think one of the one of the huge things is that our culture right now is one of expressive individualism.
0: Oh, yeah. So let me
1: unpack that a bit. So that's where I am at the center of my world mm-hmm. and my whole world is essentially defined by me and my interactions with others are basically defined by me being my true self mm-hmm. and it's other people's job to celebrate me, and that's so much of the the problems we have in our relationships now are because our aspirations of friendships are that everything about my friendships should celebrate me. Yeah, <laughs> and that's turning things on its head because traditionally, historically, in culture, we'd find our meaning in relationships. We mm-hmm. find our meaning in work, in responsibility. But the big shift, and I think incredibly so over the last 20 years or so, is that rather than finding um, meaning in relationships and with others, now I find meaning inside myself, mm. that I am the creator of meaning. And that's such a huge burden, the yeah. idea that, that I've just got to find what's truly me and let everybody else celebrate the true me, Yeah, that's a burden we just can't cope with because we weren't created to be the creator of meaning in ourselves but to find meaning with others. Mm-hmm. I think that creates such a burden, Yeah, and it means that we hide away from true friendships. Or it Very means true. that as we get wealthier as a society, and this is something you talked about earlier, we're more wealthy than ever, but we're more miserable. Yeah. Because the wealth has come with this sense of um, kind of needing to celebrate the greatness of who I am. And most of us just ain't that great. <laughs> I'm not that great. <laughs> you certainly ain't that great, bro. <laughs> and and, and, and that's, we, but if that's our expectation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Then we're not going to let people in. Yeah. And we are going to. We are going to become f- confused about our identity. We're going to be confused about what, and then look for identity and meaning in in weird, contorted versions, or idealized, or imagined versions of ourselves.
0: Um, yeah, it's never. Because, yeah, I, I totally, I totally see it. And you, you, you it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we the, they talk about neoliberalism, don't they? In the terms of where are we in a neoliberalistic society, which started with Reagan and Thatcher. Which prioritized work, right? So work was the big thing, and you worked hard. And if you worked hard, you can achieve the American dream or the British dream or whatever it is. And that led to burnout because people were working crazy hours. And so now we we sort of shifted that a little bit. Um, you know, have, do we still work crazy hours? Probably we do, um, but actually we've turned stuff into work so uh, for example you take something like social media this constant mm. need to create content mm. so you can't just go to a restaurant now and enjoy a meal with with people you know with your friends you can't just you, know, you have to take a photo and then you have to put that photo with a caption and some hashtags on it so now what was rest or friendship or relaxation has become work um, and so we are we are just burnt out we don't and we're so so fatigued by this whole thing yeah that actually the thing which gets sacrificed in all of this is the space to be with friends to be with real friends friends who have chosen wisely not just a fella down the pub where you can moan about you know joe biden's latest policy or the fact that trump might be coming back or boris johnson or whoever you want to moan about today um that's not what i'm talking about it's more we we it feels like we've become so busy because we've become so wealthy that you can see the different things get sacrificed. Well, let's just sacrifice our friendships. We're not going to meet up with them as much. And even actually post-COVID, it's like, I don't want to go back to church anymore because I'm I'm so busy with Mm -hmm. these other things. Do you know what I mean? And these things sort of get knocked out whilst we're trying to maintain this sort of elusive identity over here, whatever that is for ourselves, you know, this belief that we have to um Caesar Kalinowski calls it the do-to-be lie. I've got to do this to be somebody or yeah. something, right?
1: Yeah, and and I think that's that's so damaging, isn't it?
0: Mm. Because it, it perpetuates
1: um just a a lack of reality. Mm. Um, I think as well, if we really are honest, we have created a situation where we've made community optional and again That's this is where the whole yeah. the whole piece like so again my world a lot of it is church world right so what i see for example in the gospels and in the book of Acts, what i see in the book of acts particularly the acts chapter two acts chapter four gives two pictures of what the early church was like yeah And it says that they held things in common, Mm -hmm. that they were devoted to fellowship. And that idea of fellowship is really interesting because it's a word that's very churchy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Tolkien, the fellowship of the ring. But that word fellowship essentially means a joining of hearts over holding something in common. Mm. And uh, I think without that sense of church being a place where we hold something in common and we we lose church and it becomes just a service to attend rather than a community it's really interestingly when when we came out of covid we opened up our church space one of our church spaces is a former cafe kind of thing brilliant mm-hmm. space but we called that common space and we just invited the local community in to reconnect so it's just it's just coffees food it's like kind of youth club for the whole family yeah. And it's kind of wild because there's a real diversity. There's often, you know, a group of refugees are in there. There's a group of mums with kids. There's a group of youth. There's older people. There's people of different nationalities and races. But in that common space, that's where fellowship happens. That's where hearts are joined. Yeah. And, and and I think, you know, without having... Um, a sense of what do we hold in common? So I think common space, mm-hmm. a, a common sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. and, and it, But in that early church in Acts, there was a sharing. You know, that's something that, again, I think as we've become wealthier, we haven't necessarily become more generous. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think, actually, if we want to be rich in friendships, we need to learn to be generous and to share. Now, I'm one of six, right, which means I have an inbuilt distrust of others. Because, (laughs) like, when food was on the table and there's six of you, the law law is you snooze, you lose, right? (laughs) So so the idea of sharing ain't big. But but actually, our, our world, as we become more wealthy, we haven't learned to share more. Yeah, and we we like the idea, for example, of the government redistributing. You know, we like the idea of uh, of the government paying for refugees. We like the idea of the government paying for this or that. But actually, when it comes to will you and I invest our time and money in giving to yeah. others, that becomes a whole nother world, right? Yeah, so does. people who think that the government should you know take better care of refugees should take better care of the elderly homeless people but then won't vote to pay more taxes to do so yeah yeah there's a disconnect there right yeah 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 like, there is almost like somehow there's the father christmas of tax who's going to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sort of and, and,
0: magically appear isn't it yeah
1: yeah, and what we see in the Book of Acts is that it says that God's grace. It acts four says this: God's grace was so strong on them mm. that there wasn't any needy amongst them. Yeah, and I think you know, we we often I studied political philosophy. People always think about Karl Marx and from each according to his ability, to each according to his need. It's actually ripped off in the Book of Acts. You know, <laughs> actually, people who had gave. And there was no needy amongst them. Now also, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of balanced by the idea that actually it's not endorsing laziness because there's even scripture saying, if you're not willing to, to work, why are you eating kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. No, like don't, don't support people who are choosing to be lazy in that yeah. sense. But actually a commonality of realizing that the resources I have might be needed by someone else. I have responsibility. And again, it's the generosity is not just about finances, but it says I have a responsibility towards others. Yeah. And I think we can talk a good game about community, but unless we see that... I mean, it's one of the reasons I love visiting your house, because your house, you never know who's staying there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. Like, like one child leaves to go to university and you realise... I hope they like you, Nick, they're from, they're, they're because
0: they're else.
1: <laughs> but this really built community. I know Friday's in yeah. your house. Mm. You know, you built this uh, big pizza oven outside, and then you built this big outdoor kitchen area because you know that people come together over food. Yeah. And you're not waiting for someone else to instigate community you're doing it and you're paying for it mm. you know you're buying the chicken you're buying the you know it's but it's that realization that you've got space mm-hmm. you've got a home you've got some financial resource and actually other people can then form community around you yeah um, and communities have linchpins don't they
0: yeah they do and it's and it the thing about it it is with both with friendships with communities and gathering people it doesn't have to be a formal thing. we don't have to label it or name it. You know, I know that churches have community groups, small groups, house groups, you know whatever we want to call them, and I, that's maybe another conversation. What I'm just talking about here is just using what you've got to create space for friends and and developing that yourself without labeling it without being asked to by a leader. Do you mind leading this small group over here is not the same thing as? I'm just going to throw some burgers on the barbie and invite some guys around and see what happens, you know. And um, if one person shows up, we'll have a great time. If 10 people show up, we'll have a chaotic time, but we'll have a good time somehow and we'll, we'll be intentional in this. Um, but it, I think it's super important, you know. Yeah, I, an Englishman's home is his castle is not a great phrase, I don't think. You know, it's, no. it's, uh, it's, it's not a helpful analogy.
1: And my world is particularly intercultural. Where we are in London, we're an intercultural church, and you just see how hospitality is so important. In yeah. In a way, sadly, in which often in British culture it's a bit a bit lacking. Yeah. And the idea that 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 actually just opening up what I have and sharing it with others mm. is really key. But I guess one one of the other things, just kind of wrenching it back to friendship a bit, because I'm really really struck is we stop building friendships when we lack self-awareness. So here's the thing I typically hear. So I typically hear I I'm lonely, people say, mm. and I just can't build friendships. Mm. You know, it's and, and what's often actually happening and particularly in guys who are my age and your age, you know, they hit 45 50 or they hit 40 and um And actually, the way that we build friendships changes as we age. And this is really important because Mm. sometimes, like, you know, when you and I became friends when we were at university, we both studied art subjects, which meant... We had a really fair bit of time. Um, so we can spend <laughs> until three in the morning chatting nonsense,
0: meat-beating yeah. you, you at risk, you crying. <laughs> and, 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 it's very true. And, Apart from yeah. one time, I did have one win. I just want to point that out.
1: <laughs> but what happens is we build close friendships then. But then when you're 30 and you've got two kids, you can't build friendships yeah. that way. If you're not self-aware, you say, there's a problem and that problem must be church or it must be other people or... Where the reality is just that the nature of friendships changes mm. in different seasons of life, and when you're thirty, just showing up—you know—you go if you're thirty with two young kids, just showing up without vomit on you is a is a win. <laughs> um, That's so and true. You, and actually, friendships might look like a snatched coffee, mm. but if we're still thinking that friendships have to look like they did back then. Mm then we really lack self-awareness. And I think as soon as that happens, nobody can ever measure up to that. Because if I meet people and think about my friendship with you, and I think, right, I want them to fit, to build it. If if they're going to be my friend, it's going to work in that way. I want to just end up disillusioned because that was the time and season of my life that's not there. But it's like, what does it mean to build friendship in this season? Yeah. Um, what is it? And again, I think it's that openness thing. Mm. It's that it's that being open
0: to friendships looking different. Yeah, it is, and I think it's super powerful. But I think it—you're totally right. I, I, if you are a Christian man listening to this and you are not invested in your friendships, I really think you need to change your thinking on that. And obviously, this applies. I mean, we're talking two blokes together, but this applies to women as well. You know. Um. I think it's so important that you maintain and develop good friendships. And I think for men, they you you know, your wife is, is an awesome person, but I think you need good male friends around you as well. Um and I, I think you should invest time in, and energy in that. Uh same if you're not I mean, if you're not a Christian, you should still have good friends. I'm not saying that you're exempt, but I think as Christians we need to model what that looks like. Um because we should be we should be okay, I think Uh, we probably aren't but we should be okay with being you know open and vulnerable Mm. and praying for each other and not judging one another and not feeling like i can't say this because they're going to think i'm an absolute lunatic um but actually just bearing our hearts being true to ourselves in terms of you know just not trying to hide anything you know not trying to be something that i'm not one of the things i've always valued about our friendship um apart from the fact we always laugh whenever we get together and the, the banter is just ridiculous and it's just fun um but it's that if i'm doing something stupid i know full well you're going to come to me and go matt you are being stupid and you need to stop and here's why you're being st- i love you bro but you're being stupid right um and i i really appreciate that i also appreciate the fact that if. I'm not being a great husband. I know full well that my wife will call you. She'll call Dave Connolly. She'll call Simon and a few other people and go, "He's being a prat." Within inside of five minutes, I guarantee you, I'm going to have phone calls going, "Matt, why are you being a prat?" Do you know what I mean? And there's there's something quite safeguarding about that.
1: Yeah, I, our, our Greek friends. So Annie became a Christian uh, as a
0: as a as a kid, and then. Kind so of just fell so away. you don't know, Annie is Tony's wife.
1: And then, but then recommitted partly, largely through these two Greek sisters, Maria mm. and Pathena. And they have this phrase that I love. Uh, when you eat watermelon with them, they chuck a bit of salt on it. Mm. And they always say a bit of salt brings out the sweetness of the watermelon. And I love that because in our friendships, sometimes it's the little salty parts mm. that actually bring out the depth of those friendships and the yeah. willingness to say hard things. And you know, I think you can really, and, and again, it's it's modelled in Jesus. He says, mm. you know, to at one point, you know, he's like, do I have to keep repeating this? Don't you get it? Like mm. he says, to his disciples, like you're slow to hear. What you know, what part of this don't you get? And Jesus was incredibly loving, mm. but he was ready to say the difficult things. Yeah, and I think unless we have friendships where people can tell us the hard things, mm. then I think those friendships aren't
0: really very real. Like, They're quite unique. superficial, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's partly how we become isolated because yeah. no one
0: can tell you you're wrong. Yeah,
1: And we've seen it in political leaders. Yeah, true. Sometimes you can see them heading down a course and you think, why hasn't anyone told you? Or the classic, isn't it? It's the, uh, the uh, pop idol X factor type thing where someone goes on there, now I can't sing. Like if I sing, it sounds like someone's torturing cats. Now, what's good is that my friends take the rip out of me. The worship band in our old church said to to me, please don't stand so close to the front, you're sending the worship band out of time and tune. Like one of them said that to me, right? And, in fact, I was in, in rural was awesome. South Africa, and a guy said, do they have clapping where you're from? <laughs> and I was really? like, yeah, of course. Well, you don't seem familiar with that. To do that with <laughs> <laughs> I'm no good at music stuff, but I know it. But, you know, we've all seen that X Factor audition or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. where somebody has been hyped up by their friends, and the judges rip them to shreds And yeah. you think, and your friends didn't tell you Yeah. That. And, they, they and I you. guess, yeah. you know, part of the plea is we need to be able to be bluntly and even ugly with the truth at times. Yeah. Um, and I think that's such an important thing. And again, in a in a in a culture that wants to center ourselves as superheroes at the center of every narrative, yeah. like it's quite normal now. You go see a therapist and they tell you anybody who doesn't make you feel good about yourself, remove them from your life.
0: Yeah, they're toxic people.
1: Yeah. it's the phrase, And it? like that really destroys community yeah. because I know that the biggest hindrance to me building good community is me. Yeah. It's my selfishness. It's. Um. I have this phrase and I, I, I always like to remind myself and I remind others about it, but you're someone else's nightmare. Mm-hmm. And unless we realize that the biggest obstacle in this is often ourselves, um, then I think we struggle to build community and friendship. There's yeah. a, a, a big thought, and this is something that that is one of those things, you know, kind of the verses of scripture you live by. Mm. Um, and for me, the start of 1 John chapter one, where John basically says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light we had fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness mm. what i see in that is that if i want to walk in communion with christ if i want to walk with jesus his light fills my life now mm. when it's when the light comes in that illuminates all of my life the good the bad and the ugly yeah light can sting right mm-hmm. i mean you you What's our response to the light coming on? You know, I grew up in a home with cockroaches in, which wasn't particularly pleasant. But when you would switch the light on, the roaches would scamper. Mm. And you see them in the middle of the night, you go to the the roaches would scamper. Like a moth runs to the light. Yeah. And a roach runs from it. And, you know, big choice for all of us, bro. Are you a moth or a roach? (laughs) Because if we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another, it's interesting that word fellowship is about the joining of hearts, about Mm. openness. So in other words, as I follow Jesus and allow his light to shine in my life, Mm -hmm. I open my life to others. And then it says, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So I do believe there's a thing that if we want, to follow Jesus with open hearts, we need to be open with others. And I believe that's partly about the confession of sin. Mm. If I live my life in the light of Jesus, I'll connect with others. And then that defeats sin in my life. How? Well, because I'm not hiding what's wrong in my life. But also that sense of confession. And, you you know, I'm not a Catholic we um we don't need to confess sins for forgiveness but we should confess sin for our own good yeah so i yeah. don't need to go to a priest to have my sins absolved jesus mm. has done that but actually i need to confess sins to friends i need to confess wrongdoings i need to confess my fears my insecurities mm. because as i do it builds emotional health yeah it does. it 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 it, it deals with those dark corners. You know, we we and and I think there's something in that. You know, what does it mean to walk in the light of Jesus? Mm. It means that we have a joining of hearts with others. We have yeah. fellowship with them, And the blood of Jesus cleanses us. And I think that is such a huge thing. You know, and part of that, you know, in a good sense it's confession, but in a bad sense it's provoked by somebody pointing out Yeah The need for
0: change Um, yeah and that's that's the power of it is and that's the power of friendship and I think that's the power of accountability Uh, accountability and friendship is a big thing Uh, friends that you can be accountable with friends that will call stuff out in you and friends that will work with you and walk with you when times are tough and hard you know Um, when they see you in need and they take what they've got and they give it to you not necessarily as money but just in terms of Hmm. life in terms of time in terms of energy in terms of encouragement you know there's the whole aspect of that isn't there and i think yeah mate i'm aware of time uh, we've been chatting for about 50 minutes um and so it just goes by a million miles an hour doesn't it you're just uh, aware of it so listen bro appreciate you coming on appreciate you appreciate our friendship uh, and yes. it's it's good that we're still friends um <laughs>
1: i'm a gracious guy <laughs> yeah but you know I, what, i'm actually still in awe of the fact that earlier on you gave the example of buying sky sports to build community and your wife believed that as <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm thinking like i'd try that
0: but my wife just isn't that gullible <laughs> wow can't believe you just called sharon gullible uh, i don't i don't think he meant it babe she's gone kick your butt later <laughs>
1: <laughs> brilliant. brilliant brilliant
0: absolutely awesome well listen Tony, you're an absolute legend thanks for coming on and thank you for joining us today on the crowd church non-live live stream make sure you like and subscribe to what's going on next week we will be back with our usual live stream services i've no idea who's hosting i've no idea who's speaking i probably should have figured that out before we <laughs> <stopped> talking. <laughs> But this is why I don't do the administration. But it's going to be good. Whatever it is, it's going to be good. Uh, and do stay connected with us. Tone, you're a legend. Love you. Everybody else, you're awesome. awesome. Great stuff. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Tony sometimes bears it. I bear it all the time, but you definitely bear it. Uh, so We'll see you uh, next week. That's it from me In time. Bye for now. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us here at CrowdChurch. And before you dash off, uh, here are some other CrowdChurch videos that you will enjoy. So be sure to check them out. And make sure you also hit the subscribe button and that little bell notification uh, to get notified when we are live. And why not come join us next week uh, as we carry on our quest to discover how Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful life. Now, if you haven't done so already, check out our website www.crowd.church where you can learn more about us as a church. You can learn more about the Christian faith. And also how to connect into our church community. And whilst you're there, if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter as well. And we'll send all of this good stuff every week direct to your inbox. Now, let me tell you, it's been awesome. It's been really great to connect with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, we will see you next time. God bless you. Bye for now.